sitting back, relaxing, and talking sports with the guys. Hey, we're just men doing manly things. Light up a cigar and have a brew with the starting lineups Tyler Ivins and Eric Kay. For the next 60 minutes, it's the Gentleman's Hour podcast on The Sports Animal. What's up, everybody? The Gentleman's Hour podcast. Back after a little, little two-week hiatus. There it is. A little two-week hiatus. Don't tell me we can't have a good time. But uh, it's good to be back. Back over here at Barley's in the Old City. Co-signed. You're not kidding. It's a gorgeous day. It's a gorgeous Friday after. It's a, it's a little steamy. It's been a little hot. We are in the dog days of summer here. But uh, nice little breeze coming coming down now. So it's good to be here. Loads and loads to talk about as you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Sports Radio, WNML.com, the Gentleman's Hour Podcast. John Stancil, Tyler Robbins. How are we doing today? I'm going to be honest, man. Um, I know it's frequent for me to bring this up, especially, especially whenever it's a beautiful, gorgeous day. But, man, if it's Wednesday, if it's Thursday, it's Friday. Boys, we were just chatting with a patron who was out here on the patio at Barley's, and he reminded me we're 43 days away until it's football time in Tennessee. It's getting close. Where's the summer gone? And on top of that, man, I mean, humidity's not too bad today. Whew. I almost had to call John Stancil and put him on as my emergency contact, man. <laughs> I cut my grass the other day, man. Walked in the house. I, I was outside maybe an hour and ten minutes. That's how long it usually takes me to push mow my entire house. And you had your AirPods. And by the way, Heather Harrington, she was like, Eric, come here. And I'm like, what? She had, owns a pair she of AirPods. She was like, she's like, don't be mad at me. And I'm like, okay, what? She, she pulled it out of her pocket. She's like, hands free. I have to talk on the phone in the car. And I'm like, oh, Heather. But yeah. hey. They're, yeah. they're a thing. Yeah, yeah. Now what, Mr. Stance? Are you a, are you an AirPod guy? I'm absolutely not an AirPod guy. That's why I like you. Here's what I am. I have a car that is a recent enough model. The yeah. phone will connect to the car. See, I don't smart. even do that. <laughs> I am not that important, and I will call you back. That's Sean Stancil, Tyler Robbins. I'm Eric Kane. And it, again, this is the Gentleman's Hour podcast. Loads and loads to get into today. Of course, this is a Friday afternoon here in Knoxville, Tennessee. A lot has gone on this week. Down in Hoover, Alabama, it was the SEC Media Days. It's the official start of college football season for the media, the unofficial start for fans. But you get a lot of coaches, a lot of players, a lot of important people in front of cameras, in front of microphones, and uh, it's, it's talking season. So we have a lot to talk about. Jeremy Pruitt, Jerry Garantano, Daniel Batuli, and Daryl Taylor went down and represented the University of Tennessee. So we'll have a couple of comments from Jeremy Pruitt, from Garantano, what was said, how did they look, how did they present themselves, as well as some other things that were notable around uh, around the SEC. But, uh, tell you brought up a good point right before we took the air. Uh, the new Maverick movie, you saw the trailer. Oh, th- I was kidding. No, Did but I-, I want you to, because I haven't seen the trailer, that, I was but, but I'm so excited because I love Top Gun. But but you're not a, a little too, nah, too, too look, you're not a fan, are we? Are we? Look, man, I, I love feeling nostalgic. I love going back to old stomping grounds and seeing things and doing things that remind me of my family. I mean, that's kind of what the uh, the summer of 2019 is, all these Disney remakes and all the, What was know? it somebody told me? Uh, <laughs> no original ideas. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Got to remake stuff. Aladdin, Toy Story. I can't remember what the third movie Saw was. Aladdin. I'm going to try to see Toy or I'm going to try to see Lion King this weekend. So I haven't been out to see Toy Story yet, though. Yeah, Aladdin, Toy Story, or whatever the third movie is. People. Lion King. Lion King. Well, no, it was, they were all out uh, at one time. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But they were like, is this 1996 all over again? So, yeah, man, I, I will say. But I am, uh, Tom Cruise did not look good in the trailer. 
as I said to you guys before you hit record, Father Time is undefeated, and he looks like he is running the score up on Tom Cruise right now. A friend of mine, who shall remain nameless, obviously, yes, has talked about with all the movie redos, yeah, making his own movie, Tor- Toy Story, but it's sort of a soft porn, so we'll just leave <laughs> it right there. All right, then. Carries as much credence as anything else. 43 days until it's football time in Tennessee. Tennessee will kick off the 2019 season inside Neyland Stadium against Georgia State, BYU, UT Chattanooga, and then that pesky Florida matchup in the swamp <laughs> where the Volunteers have not won since the Iceman did it in 03. Tennessee, I think this would be like the third win in the swamp in the last half de- half century, which is incredible. Um, but a lot of fans are getting excited. This is you know, starting to really feel the momentum of football season. But right off the bat, Tyler, uh, again, it was Jeremy Pruitt. It was Jerry Garantano, the quarterback, and linebackers Daniel Batuli and Daryl Taylor that went down. Your thoughts on the showing from Tennessee. Of course, they took the mics on Tuesday of this week. Here's the thing. I love media days. I think media days is one of the best things that they have going. I don't think that enough conferences take full advantage of media days. My thing with all this is simply this. You don't have to go and put on a huge show. You don't have to go and put up all these flashy watches and jewelry and walk in with matching suits and lapel pins. Just go there and represent your program and try to do what's best for what's best for the university. I think Tennessee did just that. They answered the questions they needed to answer. Jeremy Pruitt, in my opinion, was very honest during his opening statements of, as you all know, I don't like doing this, but I'm here doing it. I have 30 minutes, and nobody told me what exactly I need to talk about for 30 minutes. He did what he needed to do, brought up some positives, talked about his life, his journey from Hoover High School, always passing the Winfrey Hotel where they hold SEC Media Days in Hoover, and how it was really just a – how it was really just a – I wouldn't say it was just a climb, but I loved – let me simplify it. I love how Jeremy Pruitt told the story and then recognized the people who are now at the university with him that started at Hoover, Alabama, at Hoover High School. Number two, I like the way that he actually talked about – it's funny. Everybody keeps just mentioning about – and one Matt Taylor being one of them, just making a reference about – I said his name right, right, Matt Taylor? Hey, the Bleacher Report? Yeah. It is uh, Matt Haynes. Matt Haynes, thank you. Matt Haynes writing about... Excuse me, sorry. Hayes, Matt Hayes. Matt Hayes. Yep. Writing about the GPAs. Yeah, and no, no, like, we'll talk what? about that for sure. Just the point of what media days are to me, you need to mention about your, your academics. Every school mentions about it. You know what else? Nobody's making reference to the fact that when Jeremy Pruitt got on campus last year, there were only two athletes that were over 300 pounds oh, on yeah. his offensive line. That was huge. Nobody is mentioning right now except the tennessee media that they now have 15 players over 300 pounds guess what you need to succeed in the sec beef and as i mentioned and joked before on the air not to go 1980s wendy's commercial on you but where's the beef it's currently in knoxville tennessee right now marcus said is a perfect example of that we talked about it during the spring um you know he was weighing like i want to say like 270 you know, in his earlier years, and now he's over 300, pushing 315. And right. a guy that Tennessee's had to rely on at times on the edges, both a left tackle and right tackle. And so, um, you know, he's just one of those guys. But, I mean, yeah, you're getting bigger in Knoxville, of course. You're 
Talking about that offensive line, you've got Wanya Morris coming in. You've got Darnell Wright, five-star bookend tackles. Wanya Morris is here during spring. Those are two guys Tennessee's going to have to count on this year on the offensive line. A lot of people are getting high on Jared Garantano. A lot of people are you know, saying he's flying under the radar. Here's the best guy you don't know about around the nation. It's Jared Garantano. He completes a high percentage of pass with guys in his face. He, you know, all these all these metric stats and everything. Um, so, you know, that just kind of comes with football season, obviously. But when it comes down to it, when the SEC rankings are released here, you know, in real time, Tyler, probably in about any any minute now, but here Friday afternoon, I expect the Volunteers to finish, to be picked to finish fifth in the East, which is what they were last year. Sure. And I expect them to finish somewhere around fourth or fifth in the East. Uh, look, I mean, if you want to go ahead and run down predictions, uh, I'll tell you right now. I think fifth is kind of a is kind of a a good spot for Tennessee, especially based on what lies ahead for some of the other SEC East programs. But I will say this though, if you look at some of these schedules, and look, it's sitting here and writing W's and L's. Every fan base does that when the schedule comes Comparing out. Schedules, year. home and away, neutral, all that stuff. I'm going to tell you right now, and it got brought up plenty of times, and it needs to be talked about, man. South Carolina does not have a walk in the park. South Carolina has the toughest schedule in the nation. Clemson, Georgia, Florida. You have Missouri, who, yeah, they have Kelly Bryant, who, look, fantastic quarterback at Clemson in his own right. He lost out to a better quarterback in yeah. Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. I want to see what Missouri's defense looks like. That schedule, too, for Missouri, tremendously backloaded. They oh. they have an opportunity to go 7-0, 8-0 you know, before they play. You better ten- get your W's early. Tennessee, Florida, Georgia, right at the tail end. Yeah. I, I'm okay with Tennessee being fifth because guess what? Under the radar, that's when Tennessee does their most work. And I'm not sitting here making it seem like, oh, powder keg, or oh, man, surprises are waiting. No, nah, I'm not going to say all that. What I will say, though, is that I hope people start to, you know, not paying attention to Tennessee. Anytime people pay attention to Tennessee and the SEC, it's just for jokes and the pinata swats. Okay, cool. that's fine. A couple things I want to talk about uh, from, you know, SEC media days. And, again, those predictions, the all-South Atlantic Conference. Excuse me, that was my that was my college division, my, my college conference, the uh, Southeastern Conference. Um, preseason picks are going to be out here in a little bit. And, you know, will Tennessee have a player? I think Daryl Taylor will be on there, but I think outside of Bryce Thompson, probably no one else. Um, all that's coming out here in the next couple, little bit. But looking back at media days, Jeremy Pro took to the stage. And Tyler, you mentioned that he kind of filler busted around a little bit, spoke 21 minutes of uninterrupted action when he greeted the media. And then he started taking questions. But when he started to take questions, you know, he was asked, you know, what what all went into, you know, year one and, and you were stretched so thin and you were, you know, you've been a career assistant. Jeremy Pruitt had a very unique answer saying that, you know, he was so happy to be the head coach, but he lost sight of kind of what was the most important thing in this thing called coaching. Give a listen to this. This is Jeremy Pruitt Tuesday addressing the media talking about relationships with players. You know, I go back, I'm looking at our football team. You're, you're trying to play back every game in your head, right? So... One of the things that, I, you know, kind of came to me, I'm sitting here saying, um, you know, we, we lose probably a couple of games because uh, mental errors, and we lose a couple of games probably because we maybe didn't fight the way we needed to fight like we did at the beginning of the year. Well, you go back, well, whose fault is that? That's obviously my fault as a, as a head football coach. And you go back and look at the teams that I've been associated with or the, or the groups of men that I've coached over the years, um, you know, I – that's not been the kind of the trademark of the teams that I've coached. You know, we've played the right way. We've played smart. We didn't beat ourselves. So I'm sitting there, okay, how does this happen? 
Um, you know, and I go back, and it's pretty simple. The first six months that I'm at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville, um, I'm trying to fix everything, right? So we want to get the weight room right. We want to get the, the um, practice fields right. We want to get um, nutrition, just everything that goes into building the program for the next 10 to 20 years. And I lost the most important thing to me, which was our players in itself. Uh, and the relationship that, that has always been a strength of mine um, so I talked to my wife about it, and it was pretty interesting. You know, she's always, wherever we've been, she's always tried to take a lot of credit um, for the success that we've had, you know, over the years. You know, so I asked her when the season was over with on Christmas, I said, you know, babe, you hadn't, you hadn't mentioned a whole lot about, you know, your contributions to this year's season. And uh, she said, well, if you had moved me to Knoxville in January instead of June, we'd have went eight and four instead of five and seven. So, but I have learned a lot this off season, and uh, um, it was pretty easy fix to, to fix our relationship with our players and build a relationship, and it takes time, right? It does take time. It's Jeremy Pruitt there addressing the media. And claps for Jeremy Pruitt here as we broadcast from Barley's in yeah. the Old City. Uh, but, yeah, that was Jeremy Pruitt. He was talking about – how he had he was trying to fix the weight room, trying to fix the nutrition plan, trying to get academics on track, trying to do everything a right. CEO would do that he lost sight of the relationships with his players and getting to know them and learning how to coach them properly. And so he took credit for that. But according to Jerry Garantano, this offseason, he and Jeremy Pruitt have gotten along very well and they've taken the step in their relationship. Over a is plate of blueberry cobbler. Something southern is what Jerry Garantano said blueberry about cobbler. that. Blueberry cobbler. Yeah. Look, I, dude, overrated, underrated. I think cobbler's a little overrated. I think, I think it's overrated too. Guess what? <laughs> Break bread, eat sweets, dine. Whatever it takes, man. If you can build a relationship with somebody no matter how you do it, build your relationship with you. I'll invite you over to my house and watch you I remember the first time you came over to my house, we were watching a baseball game together. I offered you a cigar and a glass of whiskey. You choked down the glass of whiskey, and you got about uh, about a quarter way through a cigar. And I was like, you done? You're like, oh, no, I'm good, man. The next day, I was like, yeah, Caner didn't even finish the cigar. And you off the air, you just looked at me. You go, I'm not much of a cigar smoker, man. I just didn't want to be rude. And I was like, I respect you even more for it. Now. I didn't want to be rude, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, I hang out with you guys, and that's, that's what you guys do. But hell, I would even go to your shop. I'd just sit there. I'd drink beer. <laughs> Talk about the camaraderie. Always fun to have you. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, so I found that very interesting. Of course, whatever it takes. He looks so much more comfortable now, and I've noticed this this spring. Like he he understands what's coming around the, the second go around. Like he knows how to go about questions. This was his second media days, and he it looks like he's more comfortable as a head coach. And obviously, when you hire on Jim Cheney, you hire on Derek Ansley, who's going to run your system on defense. That helps a little bit too. So my thoughts on Jeremy Pruitt. Yeah, filler busting, call whatever you want to. I mean, it is what it is. I thought he represented well. I thought the players represented well. Things they're not talking about as well. They're always focusing on the 21 minutes he filler busted. Let's talk about some of the things that are great for the university this year. Okay, academics up. Program foundation has been built. Now you do add a little furniture to it. That means building relationships, getting players ready for battle. How about this? It, stubborn Jeremy Pruitt, he just wants to come in here and run a pro. Stubborn Jeremy Pruitt, guess what? University went out, spent money, and got one of the best offensive coordinators in the country. They're paying him like the best offensive coordinator in the country, and, Jer and Jim Chaney, check. Jeremy Pruitt's a defensive mind. He'll never give up play calling. Jeremy Pruitt's got to learn to be a head coach. He's got. What does he do the very next season? Bring in Derek Ansley from the National Football League and say, guess what? You're making the defensive calls now. So Jeremy Pruitt, who is not known for doing any type of 
comfort level. Better said, Jeremy Pruitt, who's not used to doing uh, asking for help, doing things on his own, whether it's Philip Fulmer that's maybe recommending doing this or he's seeing the light and things have to change now because he's a head coach. I'm not sitting here carrying water, but I think sometimes we live in a world where too many people, they work on more negatives than they do positives. I, and maybe this is just me. I don't work well with negative people. Ask, yeah. I mean, I mean, people who've known me for 26 months, guess what? If you're negative around me, I'm, I'm, I'm going to lock you out. And to the people out there who are just, look, everybody knows Tennessee's 5-7 and seven last year. Everybody knows Tennessee's had a struggle since Fulmer got canned. Everyone knows Tennessee got blown out by 25.6 times last season. Right, right. So keep beating that pinata. And the way I look at it, it's simple. Tennessee has to improve. People, a bunch of narratives that get pushed. The only way those will change is if Tennessee starts winning. And it looks like Pruitt has established a winning culture and is moving in that direction. It's a Friday afternoon here at Barley's Gentleman's Hour podcast. John Stansel, Tyler Robbins, Eric Kane. Loads of things I want to take to you from your comments right there. We've got a lot to get into today. But you mentioned, you know, Jeremy Pruitt. And, uh, you know, what's he do? He, he makes adjustments. He goes out and gets an offensive coordinator that he can trust. He goes out and gets Derek Ansley to call his defense. Interesting enough, Vanderbilt head coach Derek Mason, all the jokes aside, everything about that, but the Commodores have had a lot of recent success against the Volunteers. Five of seven. Caught up against John, caught up with John and Jimmy on Sports Talk this week on Radio Row. And, he, you know, Jimmy Point Blake asked him, really it was Jay Lyford, our, our engineer, that asked him off air, but they brought it on air. They asked him, you know, Derek, you know, how did you go about giving up the defense or, you know, what, what was your – when did you know it was time and all this stuff? And so I want to play this comment. It's a little lengthy, but listen to Derek Mason. This is some good stuff from Vanderbilt head coach Derek Mason on kind of going from coordinator to coach and, and how, how that transition – how it can take a little while sometimes. So when you – Vanderbilt, if I get this right, so you, you uh, had a defensive coordinator. Yeah. Then you took over as a defensive coordinator. Right. And now you've got a defensive coordinator. Tennessee, Jeremy Pruitt served as his own defensive coordinator in your run. Now he has hired somebody to run it. What, what are your thoughts on Pruitt going in that direction? Coach Pruitt is exactly right. I think Coach Pruitt's a smart man. I think he learned faster than I did. You know, like in this process, you know, we run programs. We're not coordinators anymore. They didn't hire us. They, they hired us for our expertise, but they hired us men to be head coaches, CEOs runner of programs, okay, I mean, from top to bottom, you know, from our branding to, to, to what we represent to, to, to what it looks like, and you have to own that. You can't just own the defense. That, 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 that can't work. That can only work for so long. And what you find is the job is much bigger than that. So, so Jeremy's done, Coach Pruitt's done exactly what he needed to do. You know, after year one, what did I do? I had to make a change. After year one, he makes a change, Okay. He was two years ahead of me. I had to wait until, you know, like, no, three years ahead of me because I, I didn't do it until year four or year five where I hired a defensive coordinator. He's doing it in year two. Why? Because, you know, when, when, when he looks at his program and when, you know, uh, the, 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 the AD sits down with him and talks to him about goals and expectations and what the, 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 the job requires, He's got somebody in that position that understands what it was. Coach Fulmer fully understood what it was to be a head coach. He's one of the best to do it in this conference. So I think Jeremy's got great uh, wisdom, okay, man, man being thrown his way. He's got great mentorship, um, man, and, and, and A.D. Fulmer, who's been there. And, and now what he's got to do is just continue to lock down the things 
that 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 are still open that have gaps because everybody's got gaps in their program and you're trying to close them as fast as you can. He just closed one loop. Okay, that's a huge loop for his program to take the next step. When you served as head coach and defensive coordinator, did that hurt you as a defensive coordinator or did it hurt you as a head coach or did it impact both? It it hurt me as a, a head coach. It, it, it didn't hurt me as a defense coordinator. I think it helped me because I understood our players. I understood how to put those guys in position. And I was constantly working to get coaches and going through coaches. So I was having to coach coaches. You know, I, so when you're coaching coaches, okay, and, and, and you're not overseeing your players, well, that's why you pay coordinators. <laughs> you know, that you, you, there's, there, we have jobs, okay, that require us to be present for our players. Okay, I mean, you, you, hey, man, a guy's got a problem, okay, it needs to be addressed. Okay, sometimes it's physical, sometimes it's mental, sometimes it's academic, and, and, and that's what we have to do. We have to be able to put them with the resourcing, okay, man, or, or, or you may be able to help them navigate, okay, man, decision-making choices. And, you know, when you're coaching on one side of the ball, you know, that, that side's always getting your narrative, but the other side – Okay, man, is, is is condemning you a little bit. The other side saying, well, you know, I mean, he's just a defensive coach, you know. And so then your offensive coordinator becomes like the the head coach, and that's not really the case. There's only one one voice. There's only one 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 mission, only one program, and that's the one. Okay, that I'm that, that I'm running. That's the one that Jeremy's running. And so I think you know it's definitely all about you know touching every facet of your program, and and because here's the thing, you're going to own it in front of the media. Like whether you want to or not, listen. You can't say, "Well, listen, I, I you know, I, I lent a little bit of it to, to to that guy over there, and you know, he just didn't do a good job." Hey, man, that's not good enough. What we're talking about is ownership, and you got to own, okay, uh, what you do. I think Jeremy owned, you know, like what they did and didn't do. I owned after my first year what we did and didn't do, and I think that's allowed us to move forward. Good stuff there from Derek Mason. Again, Vanderbilt head coach joined really? John and Jimmy on Sports Talk. And, uh, man, that's eye-opening, talking about the process, saying that Jeremy Pruitt has already checked one thing off right there. He's ahead of the game of where Derek Mason was. He, he's a smart coach. He gets it. He's surrounding himself with good people. And so, you know, I thought Jimmy's question was fantastic. You know, when you – asking Mason, when you were calling plays as a head coach, did that, help, did that hurt you more as a head coach or a defensive coordinator? And he said as a head coach because, you know, you can say I'm your head coach, but if you're calling plays on one side of the football, then the other side's like, well, he's just a defensive guy. And so you see that in the NFL a lot with their professionals, but that's something that I can speak from from experience because my my college coach was an offensive coach, and so it felt like there were two two football teams. So good stuff there from Derek Mason. Uh, really good interview there from Jimmy and John and, and, and Jay Lyford as well. Just one of the many, many interviews that we have at SportsRadioWNML.com uh, throughout the week. You know – Hearing comments like that and the honesty that a coach will give somebody, that makes me want to respect you and like you even more. And, yeah, I mean, I'm still guilty of this. I consider it a crutch. You know, working at WNML, yeah, it's the flagship of the University of Tennessee, but, I mean, I mean, it's no secret that I attended the school there. It's no secret that I've been a fan there for a while. Tennessee but I'll give, Tyler. But I'll give credit where credit <laughs> is due. Derek Mason, man, galloping there at Memorial Stadium last year, and good for him for the W. And obviously, it stung because it kept Tennessee out of bowl eligibility. 
Yeah. But you got to respect a coach who's just like black and white. Here it is. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And guess what? Here's how you beat me. If you can't, guess what? Another W for me. And just the honesty. Sometimes it's okay just to put a headset on and yeah. not just have loaded answers for every question. That Another part of that interview, I think Jimmy asked him about having Jerry Stackhouse there. He says, oh, Jerry? Jerry, I mean, he's just a cool guy. You know, we did the uh, star bench cut. A cool guy. We did the star bench cut. You know, coaches in the SEC you want to hang out with, and or maybe top three coaches in the SEC you want to hang out with. You know, uh, Derek Mason. I said Gus Malzahn because he's kind of that kind of that weird guy to where he could be really cool or he could be really weird. And then your guy, you're a big fan of now. Tell us about him, Joe Moorhead, second year head coach, Mississippi State. So here's why I like Joe Moorhead so much. And even before he talked about it, I looked at him and I was like. Has he lost weight? And the very first question, Dari Noka on the stage was just like, oh, I, I got I to gotta ask you, Coach, how much weight have you lost? And I was like, okay. He dropped 55 pounds. He's the coach that he has so many recruiting tools. And you look at Joe Moorhead, he's like in his late 40s. You're like, this guy this guy doesn't get culture. I mean, this guy doesn't get pop culture. This guy can't be relevant. And then you find out he's like loves rhythmic and hip hop music. Lists off his top five. He's talking about Biggie Smalls and Jay Z. <laughs> you look at Joe Moorhead, this bright offensive mind who came from Penn State, formerly at Fordham, and you're like, oh, this guy, all he does 364 days of the year is probably just go to his basement on a dry erase board or a chalkboard and just write X's and O's. No. This guy will kick back. He'll do some fasting. He'll hang out with his family. He'll listen to some hip hop music. I'll tell you, man, you got to have that kind of out there personality like Moorhead does, yeah. especially to succeed in a city like Starkville, Mississippi. It's funny he said fasting. I was talking to a chick that I met on my trip, actually. Not, uh, a, not, a, not a young lady, but a chick. A chick. I'm trying to be this cool. This is a chick. Okay. Here on a Friday afternoon. This broad that I met on my trip. And she said, Look, if you want to sound like a 1940s gangster, you can call her abroad, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? She said that um, there's a healthy way to go about fasting, and that, 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 that's a way that people lose weight. And I'm like, I mean, if you ask me, anytime you're not eating, that's not healthy. But you start, like, by going in, in out, you know, seven-hour increments of night eating, and then it goes up to 12-hour increments, and it goes up, you know, and then you, 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 there's a method to the madness. But, hey, Joe Moorhead, he was like, it's probably not the healthiest way, but I've lost, what, 40 pounds? 55. 55 pounds. He's yeah, done he, 55, he looks yeah. good. He looks I mean, it's good. no 66, but it's whatever, Joe Moore. Yeah, it's whatever. I mean, <laughs> try to keep up here, Joe. Try yeah. to keep up. Another highlight throughout the week is SEC Media Day wrapped up yesterday. It's been going on all week long, Hoover, Alabama. Going to be away from Hoover for at least the next two years, going back to Atlanta, which it will get the crowd back, but it's just a nightmare for media personnel, apparently. And then Nashville, it's going to be in 2021. Gentlemen's Hour podcast, Tyler Robbins, Eric Kane, John Stansel. But a highlight that I really like from the week in Hoover, LaMichael P. Ryan of Florida, Florida running back, someone asked him, like, uh, do you Talking still – Talking about coming out of the gate, this is Monday. Yeah, yeah this is Monday. Yeah, yeah, starting off strong. Do you still consider Tennessee a rival? His response, no, we just, you know, take it game by game. It, we prepare for them just like we pre- prepare for anybody else. Yeah. And, no, but Alabama or no, but Georgia, yeah, yeah, they're, they're big games. So saying Tennessee wasn't a rival anymore, Jerry Garantano was asked about it later in the week. This is what Tennessee's quarterback had to say. I mean, he was accurate. I mean, the past couple of years they've gotten the best of us. They played a good game versus last year. So, I mean, I don't look at it as a rivalry game. I think every single game that we play in the SEC is a rivalry game. We have history with a lot of those teams, and being able to go every single weekend and week out versus those teams, we know that it's going to be a, a tough task at hand. I'm with you, JG. I, 
he can say what he wants to say. I mean, they've they've uh, they've owned Tennessee of late. So and uh, you know, JG said the right answer. We view every game as you know, like it's a rivalry game. The next game on the schedule. But when it comes down to it, when you're playing your rival, you, it means more. But JG says, hey, he can say that because they've owned us lately. That was the first example of me knowing that the relationship between Garantano and Pruitt has now started to sink in and marinate, root itself a little bit. Why? Gar- not saying that Garantano's been a brash guy. Garantano's the type of person, though, he has no problem whatsoever just being like, you know what, i got to be better. I want to be the best quarterback in the country. He goes out there and met, sets goals. This was a perfect opportunity for him to be like, okay, well, Michael P. Ryan can have his comments, but we'll see them the fourth week of the season in Florida. He didn't say that. That was a very Belichick answer. That was a very Nick Saban answer. That was a very Jeremy Pruitt answer, a very disciple answer. So, now granted, he's been your coach now going on 18 months, but guess what? Garantano is starting to develop into the Pruitt quarterback, and you know Jeremy hears that and says, say what you need to say to get the microphones and recorders out of your face, (laughs) and let's get back to Knoxville, and let's get ready for the season. And it's a shame because he is great in front of the camera. He knows what Very he's doing. Poised. He's a Jersey yes. kid. He's got that confidence, but guess what? We all can be brash and arrogant and in your face. Do this. Broads. Keep it here. Keep it here. It's got, I always use the horse racing analogy. Keep Put it the blinders where they, can, on. they can't see us, though. No, no. Keep it. They know what they're Keep it centered. <laughs> keep it here. You're right. For keep, a guy who's keep, been in radio for 14 years, I'm going to use my stupid. hands. Seriously. <laughs> Put your horse blinders on and just get to the finish line. A lot, a lot, a lot came out this week. But one more thing before we shift gears to a very nice, nice article that was written about the Tennessee football program yesterday. I want to touch on, we touched on a little bit this morning. Will West actually texted us in a group chat and said, we have to talk about this. This is earlier in the week saying, I guess it was Wednesday. Is that when South Carolina was up? Wednesday? Carolina was up on Wednesday. The yes. article was released oh. at, at the end. It was, er, was on uh, late Wednesday night. I read it and I was like, troll. The article? Oh, the article was yesterday. I saw. I'm talking about the Will Muschamp question. Wednesday. Wednesday. Yes. I beg your pardon. You're yeah. talking about the questionnaires yeah. in the radio room. Yes, yes. Okay. So Will Muschamp, head coach of South Carolina, was addressing the media in the main media room, the electronic room, right? At SC Media Days, and you're going through, you're answering questions, questions. A guy gets up there, asks Will Muschamp a question. It's hilarious. Will West immediately texts both of us and says, "Pull this audio. We've got to talk about it." Listen to this exchange between what Will described as a frightened young 22-year-old that asked just horrendous questions all week. And, again, this is Will Muschamp, former Florida Gators head coach, but obviously now at South Carolina. Um, Rashad, Alabama News Network in Montgomery. Uh, coach, your in-state rival, Clemson, has become a national powerhouse, winning two out the last four national championships. Has South Carolina kind of became like the little brother to Clemson? No, we're not the little brother. That? We're not. Yeah. Okay. Shut that down. He shut that down in a hurry. Look at Will Muschamp. It could be Christmas Day. He could have a present on his lap, and his kids would be like, Dad, Dad, open it. And he would just stare at them and be like, your father will open it when your father's ready. <laughs> will even said, too, that the kid laughed in real life. Yeah, the microphone didn't pick it up, but he, apparently he was laughing. Like, first of all, get that little shithead out of here, all right? He's, yeah. making, he's making guys like me look bad, all right? That makes me so you know mad. So I look at I work my butt okay. off. Okay, so that, question, like that. that question doesn't need to be asked, yeah. but good on him for at least putting his hand on the oven and burning it once or twice yeah. to realize. Like, it's like I tell all the producers and tell everybody who wants to get in this industry. Oh, I, I got to fact check. Yeah, you got to do all that. But guess what, man? You got to go up and mess up. 
you got to learn to get into a groove. Not every pitcher is going to get called up from the minors and, the and be able too. to strike everybody out. Give something, up a bomb and just get comfortable. Something I've learned throughout my two years so far, you're still going to mess up as you go on. Yeah. I mess up on the board probably twice a week, every week. I do something stupid or, like, I don't want, you know, I say something, I'm like, oh, crap. It's time to play the game. <laughs> By the way, this morning, you son of a gun, you got me. I was at the computer. I was typing. You got me. Yeah, what is, uh, what? One for five, Tyler. Congrats. Look at the hand. Look at the hand. What am I doing over here with my right hand? Same analogy as in sales. When I would talk to sales guys many years ago, you can study all the product literature. You can do all the training. Yes. Now go get your nose bloodied for a couple of yeah. weeks, and then we'll talk. Exactly. I mean, because those questions have yeah. meaning. Then that's the same with anything, really. But yeah, you're exactly right. Burn your burn your hand on the stove. Um, you want to fight, you got to bleed, you want to swim, you got to get in the water. But that's media days, and I do like the aspect of media. Now, I know the coaches hate it. Well, Joe Moorhead wouldn't hate it. Uh, Derek Mason wouldn't hate Let's it. Let's just say they, they – I don't know if there's a coach out there who enjoys it. Some don't – some people some people dislike it more than others. True. I mean, like, I like the outlandish, you know, what did you do this – after all the important things, because don't waste my time when I need a quote. Okay, first question you're asking about yeah. what your golf game looks no, like, no, Nick no. Saban, because your hip was replaced. No, let's talk about Tua like, and we, how he can win the Heisman. We, this when year. you have two or three minutes left in the session, what did you and your family do this summer for vacation? You, you know, know who did it perfect? It's funny you bring that up. Will Muschamp. So when he was in the main room, Greg Sankey, he introduced him. Greg Sankey's kind of lighthearted. So when he comes to the stage to introduce a coach, he'll say things like, oh, "Nick Saban." Uh, Coming up with another year at the University of Alabama national champion, and uh, you have to ask him how his nine iron looks now after his most recent <laughs> surgery, ladies and gentlemen, Nick Saban. Will, and then people will joke around with Saban, and he doesn't have time for that. When he introduced Will Muschamp, the last thing he said was, he's got two sons, both quarterbacks. The Muschamp family will continue to branch out, ladies and gentlemen, South Carolina coach Will Muschamp. But what he said right before he introduced him up there was, and out of all the people I've ever met, coaches, personnel, he's probably the best around the big green egg and the grilling, the, the, yeah, the grilling yeah. unit, the big green egg. So get the important questions out of the way, scheduling, <coughs> unit, personnel, and then finally one of the, the moderator just goes, we got about six minutes left. If there's anybody out there who'd like to ask coach a question, like needing questions, because and finally this guy just stood up and was just like, hey, coach, blah, 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 from da-da-da outlet. Uh, Greg Sankey said you're great at the green big egg, uh, big green egg. Uh, what's your best meal you cook there? And of course, what did Muschamp do? Wh- whatever you want, you name it, I'll do it. <laughs> and then it, it's like, oh, that's awkward. And all of a sudden he goes, "Yeah, I heard Sankey earlier say that he's the best griller in Columbia on Monday, talking about Barry Odom. Very clear, he was talking about Columbia, Missouri, because it wasn't <laughs> Columbia, South Carolina." <laughs> I was like, whoa, see, man, Will's going to get you some meat. That's, that stuff's fun. That's, that's fun. fun. Too. But again, but it's at the read the time. room. Yeah. We've said that how many times, it seems, in the last four days? Oh, yeah. Last 96 hours. People in our building and people in Hoover, read the room. Are you talking about coaches and their comfort level? My impression, and I'm listening to snippets, not there, obviously, uh-huh. not listening to the whole thing. Coach Pruitt seemed much more comfortable in his own skin. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Not and one the other more telling thing when someone, and you'll know the player, defensive player, UT, what's Tennessee's defense going to look like? No loud, no inflection to the voice, very violent. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? That would be Daryl Taylor. <laughs> yes, the, it would be. The returning uh, sacks leader in the Southeastern Conference. Hopefully he'll get the get – more sacks on a consistent basis this year instead of just going off in two games. 
Uh, but, yeah, you're exactly right. Um, I thought Jeremy Pruitt looked very calm, very cool collective. But for other coaches, not even SEC, if they picked up on his comment, it's like, hmm, okay, I, I know what we need to do. Yeah. I hope we can do it yeah. with that violent squad. They said uh, they asked reporters as Daniel Batuli and Daryl Taylor, you know, what, what's the, how, you know, are you going to go to a bowl game? They said, yeah, we're going to be a bowl team for sure. So six wins right there. That's you know, if you're a Tennessee fan, you like to hear that. Uh, there were a couple other good little sound bits. Uh, I'm trying to think. There was of throughout one the word week. that came to mind when they talked to Batulia Taylor. The buzzword when you talk about Tennessee's defense this year, violent. Yeah, they oh, want yeah. to be more violent. Yeah. To succeed in the Southeastern Conference, you got to have a good running game or a good defense. If you have both. You're going to be great. So if you depend on Ty Chandler, if you depend on some of these other guys who are in the backfield and your defense can stop the run and keep you in games, Tennessee potentially can take two better-than-average units offensively and defensively and turn themselves into a good team this year. Seven wins, possibly eight if they reach a ceiling. Good team this year. Not a great team. They're getting there. Good team. And we can look back on this. I mean, this is July the 20th. About one o'clock, real time, and um, we can look back on this in November and say, "Kaner, you idiot, yo, yo, Homer Kaner." I genuinely, I do not see Tennessee losing. I don't I, losing. Uh, I, I don't see Tennessee not having seven wins. I, I think seven wins is the floor. Well, look for at this. The, team. Look at the game. It's, it's, this I mean, schedule, you're telling me four non-conference and the schedule can I, be yeah. sushi. Go four, ahead. Four non-conference: a BYU, Chat, UAB, and uh, Georgia State. Georgia State, the the opener. Um, and then you have three losses, in my opinion. Well, definite loss to Alabama, definite loss to Georgia. You're gonna. I understand. Let's let's be ready. You're you're gonna lose in the swamp. You are. Move on. So that's three losses. Okay. You have five other games, right then and there. I mean, you can't tell me that you. I'll can't take the win. hand off. You're beating Kentucky and Vandy. Yeah. No, no. You're, you're, you're beating Kentucky. You're and beating Vandy. Kentucky and Vanderbilt. You almost beat South Carolina last year. You've got Mississippi State at home. And then you have Missouri on the road, which I think is a loss. Um, but still, I mean, come on. There are wins to be had there. You tell me you can't get three wins out of that? You just said six, right? I, I stole I mean, I, I I made you say yes to Kentucky and Vandy. No, and I, and I do think. You know, and so, I understand this. So you have three toss-up games to your point to Missouri, South Carolina, uh, as well as Mississippi, Mississippi State. State. Yes, which we, on Tennessee Sports Night two weeks ago, Think Tennessee should. I mean that that's going to be a huge. You game have to for Tennessee. You got to get that. It's two two second year coaches. They're replacing yeah. a quarterback. October twelfth. You know, and the, I, I, real quick, just to branch off back to Joe Moorhead, uh, some of the comments that nobody's really touching on that really made me, and maybe it was a little hyperbole, in my but my eyebrows kind of. Oh wow. Kind of like, kind of. I, I had a, my eyebrows raised a little bit. Well, I'm looking at the pizza. That's what my eyebrows. Oh, we had some pizza earlier. It was delicious. Fantastic. Gracious. Barley's has amazing pizza down here. By the way. Can I uh, call in and get a box of that and take home? Is, absolutely. Is, is that a thing? Here? Absolutely. Uh, but what he said was when he was at State College, Penn State's OC, Joe Moorhead said that the incumbent, Tommy Stevens, who he looks to replace Nick Fitzgerald, oh, yeah. was, yeah. and I'm doing index the thumb, this close, and I don't even have to describe what I'm doing. When you put your index in your thumb this close to beating Trace McSorley out for the starting job at Penn yep. State. Well, then why is he transferring if he was that close? So maybe, again, maybe he's hyping up his starter. But if Tommy Stevens is legit, maybe we got ourselves a good game. But you're at home in Neyland, yep. two second-year coaches. They replaced four guys who, was, who were, taken in the, were taken in the NFL draft defensively, two on the offensive line and a quarterback. 
I'm sorry, you should and win by that, that game. Point, so that's your seventh win. By that point, tell me there's five guys that can play together on the offensive line. By that point, Darnell Wright should be a thing, should be starting. Okay, Wanya Morris will have a couple games it's under his belt. the sixth game of the year. He better be ready. Well, I don't think Darnell Seventh Wright, week because he's got a bye week before Georgia. I don't think Darnell Wright starts game one. Um, I think I think Wanya Morris does. But Darnell Wright wasn't here in spring. But I think he's going to be a starter and play a lot of games this year. My my uh, my guess, my my feeling is maybe they eased Darnell Wright in those, those first three games. Be ready for Florida in the swamp. I mean, that's a hell of a first start, but. You know, it is what it is. But so you want him to be ready for the SEC opener? Absolutely, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, so I'd be okay we'll with that. See, but that, that reminds point, me. That reminds me last year when they were just trying to ease Shy Tuttle in and get him ready yeah. as well. By that point, by that point, it's it's you know, Wanya Morris and Darnell Rides played a lot of football games, right. like, and then come on, Ryan Johnson, Brandon Kennedy, Kyron Calvert, come on, Jerome Carvin, Jameer Johnson, three of the people I just named, step up and form a damn offensive line. I mean, it's it's it's. And I, I hated this because I played O-line growing up a little bit. And, like, I mean, you know, whenever the running back would say blog, blah, blah, it's like, shut up, man. It's all a cohesive unit. But, uh, I mean, really, it's that's where it starts in the trench play. And unless you can get some type of push up front, who knows how good Garantano could be? Teen players over 300 pounds. Who they know, can find yeah, five exactly. of those guys. And who knows how good this receiving unit can be that we've talked about so much. So, anyway, uh, b- big schedule coming up. And, again, that all – what kind Tennessee of, needs this year is for people to overlook them, and they come in and they punch them in the mouth. First quarter's over, and they look up, and it's fourteen to three, and they're just like, yeah. "Damn it! Now we got to play catch up." <sighs> and you have Jim Chaney as your OC. Guess what he doesn't do? Let off the gas. So if you catch yourself looking down fourteen to three, and Garantano who takes care of the football, I'm telling you, the worst thing you can have happen is over. And you know what? Everybody says, oh, it's just one game at a time. We don't overlook anybody. Come on, it's Tennessee. It's Coach Doug. You hear the jokes. They went 5-7 and seven last year. Who's going to be the team this year that overlooks them and the Vols punch them in the mouth? Real quick, so where do you have Tennessee finishing in the East? Real quick. Uh, I think it's better for me to run down my list of teams and then let you know where I have them just based on where we're at. Okay, because I want to get to this Matt Hayes article. Uh, okay, quickly, the East. Yeah. Georgia is one. I think Florida is a lot closer to Georgia than any team is in the West of Bama. So, feet to fire, concrete right now. Georgia's one, Florida's two. I think one of the best games in the conference this year nobody's going to be talking about is when Florida goes to Missouri this year. Um, I think Missouri's your three. Yeah. I honestly believe that schedule is going to come back and bite Carolina. I really do. I agree. Tennessee will be your four. Carolina's your five. Kentucky's your six. Vandy's your seven. Carbon copy. That's what I have. Uh, run down the West just real quick. Uh, you give me Bama at one. You give me LSU. Look, I know people always say I'm a sucker for Ed Orgeron. I think Joe Burrow this year it just has what he needs. He's got that swagger. They're going to try to spread offense. With it the cracks new me up, man. Like I understand Ed Orgeron lost to Troy. That was two years ago. They've won so many big games since. LSU's got a good defense. They've got a good running game. They've got a good O-line. Joe Burrow, was that missing link last year? Found some success. Let's see what happens. I got LSU as LSU's two as LSU's well. your two. A&M's your three. Kellen Mond. I love watching him play. Kellen Mond, man. A little brash this past, day, uh, this past week saying he's the best quarterback in the SEC. Tua kind of dismissed that when they asked about it. See, now this is where things can get a little crazy. So I'm going to go reverse quickly. I think Arkansas still finishes last. Give me Ole Miss at six. So now I've got to ask myself, it's a two-horse race now between Auburn and Mississippi State. I still believe that Auburn has the talent better than Mississippi State. But I wouldn't be surprised if Mississippi State beat Auburn when they played. So for right now, I have to lock it in. 
Give me Malzahn over Moorhead, but it's really close. I'm the same way, too. It's like you uh, covered off my paper right here yep. like we're in school. I will say this. I have Auburn at four. I have Mississippi State at five as well. I love all the experience minus the quarterback, right. and that's a, obviously a key factor. Auburn does not have a quarterback. But They're they going to start a true freshman, that opener against they Oregon. They have an NFL defensive line. They have a fantastic offensive line. They've got skilled players. You got a quarterback. You got to ease them in there. So, yep. uh, but I, but although Auburn on the road at A and M, at Florida, at LSU, that sucks. Yeah, that's awful. But anyway, that's how I've got that finishing up too. Gentlemen's our podcast. Coincidental, the two coaches this year, one who's definitely on the hot seat, the other who could be on the hot seat. Yeah, Malzahn and Muschamp, their mm-hmm. schedules this year. I'm not trying to compare it to the 30 Yankees, but man, whoo! Yeah. It's like I describe. I'll describe those schedules kind of like the Braves lineup. You're walking through a landfield. Well, not this past couple of You're games. You're guaranteed yeah. to lose a couple of limbs. Just survive with a beating heart. Yeah, I agree. Um, man, I mean, I'm getting so excited talking about all this. Gentlemen's Hour Podcast, Tyler Robbins, Eric Kane, along with John Stansel, Sports Radio, WML.com, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. He's at Tyler Robbins on Twitter. I'm at underscore Kaner, and he is at John underscore Stansel. Correct. Let's move on here. Matt Hayes, Bleacher Reports. Radio host down in Jacksonville, Florida. He is a Gator alumni. He graduated from the School of Journalism down there. He was at SEC Media Days in Hoover this week. And yesterday afternoon, when everything was just wrapping up, he slid this guy out there on the interweb. Why Tennessee will never be elite again. And obviously it's gotten a lot of run. I've emailed Matt Hayes. I've offered him a spot on the show tomorrow morning. As did I. He has yet to email back. I doubt he will. <laughs> but, uh, man, you guys out there listening right now, I mean, obviously you're a sports fan, you're a Tennessee fan, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. You've read the article. You get it. But, uh, Tyler, when I was reading this article, I read the whole thing, and I said, okay, I didn't learn a thing from this. You didn't tell me anything I didn't already know. I knew that Tennessee has lost, had losing seasons in seven of their last 11. I knew – that in five times in the past eight seasons, the Vol, Vols have won two or fewer SEC games. I knew that the Vols were 28 and 60 in league games since 08. I knew that the coaching record is 62 and 63 in 10 years, last 10 years. And I knew that Tennessee hasn't put a lot of players in the NFL draft. Like, I knew all that. So I didn't need someone just to put it down on paper for me. Like, hell, we're in Knoxville. We do this for a living. My biggest thing was he says Tennessee will never be elite again because of what Mullen is doing at Florida, Saban at, at Alabama. You have um, Orgeron at LSU. So Tennessee will never be elite again. I, I think it's hilarious because in the early 2000s, Alabama wasn't anything. Now look at them. I mean, it, until, until the good Lord comes down and says our time is done off this earth, I mean, football is going to be played for years and years and years. That means Alabama will not be on top all the time. Tennessee will be back on top. Um, you know, the Cleveland Browns will win a Super Bowl before it's all said and done. It's going to happen. Time is infinite. I mean, it just keeps going on and on and on. So anytime anyone says, I will never or this will never, I'm like, oh, you better watch out, bub. Times will, you know. So when you hear me complaining about how my favorite professional teams will never win a championship, you just need to tell me to shut up. That one of the Knicks, Mets, Jets, or Islanders will eventually win a championship. Absolutely. But I understand that, you know, this next decade they might not, and that's what Tennessee's going through right now. That'll be the day I actually get pulled from this earth because I'll die of alcohol poisoning if one of those <laughs> happens. We're going to be at uh, B-dubs or something, right, and just having one of those days where we're just 
No, Kaner literally drank 28 beers. Yeah, he's, I literally he's over watched there in the ditch him right now. 28. Okay. And then the girl, the girl that you're dating or you're married to, will be like, "Ah, oh, Kaner, you're drunk." And then I get to quickly turn around and go, "Whoa, whoa, he's not drunk. He's just tired from being up all night drinking." <laughs> I've been waiting to drop that line for a while. Oh, that was good. I don't know. I just this whole and then he was he was. Uh, trying to make Pruitt out bad for talking about academics, and then he started comparing Vanderbilt in state. Then he got into that whole fiasco five of the last seven games, three games in a row. Listen, Matt, I, I get it, man. Like, I like we know this. You didn't tell anybody we didn't already know. Like, everyone knows that Tennessee's a laughing stock. Everyone knows that Tennessee's had a rough go about it, but I just I, – I still just – like, he says never all over this. You can't say never, man. Right. You literally don't know. And so I just I just was just like, all right – I learned nothing from this. That's how I took it. Your thoughts? I think it did what it needed to do. He pushed a story. It got reactions. People will keep a receipt of this. And if Tennessee beats Florida this year, Matt? Which is not going to happen. But if they do. Well, well, okay, hold up. You're right. I'm not going to say this will never happen. I'll tell you right now, dude. I love betting on Tennessee because I get a good feel on them. And I bet against them all the time. I've, I've, made, I've made quite a bit of coin on Tennessee, winning and losing in recent years. Going into that game, I don't care what the spread is. I'm taking Florida, yeah. and I'll throw the points. Mm-hmm. I've got a bet with our general manager right now, small little handshake in office, ha-ha bet for 20 bucks. He was like, Ivan's guarantee, it, it's, <laughs> Ivan's guarantee it's single digits. And I go, boss, you do realize Florida's probably going to be favored by more than a touchdown, but I'll give you – I already said single dip. I said I'll give you seven and a half. I'll give you the hook. I guarantee you Florida's favored by more than a touchdown. $20 handshake. Going into that game, I don't care if the line climbs. I don't care if it shrinks. I'm taking Florida, and I'm throwing the points. Yeah, I'm taking Florida. But I would not be surprised if Tennessee covers that game. Now, last year, you and I said preseason. You you and I said week one, two, three, and four – Tennessee's going to be Florida at home. Tennessee's going to be Florida. I genuinely believed Tennessee was going to be Florida at home. Florida was coming off a four-win season. Felipe Franks wasn't crap he was, at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now he's transitioned. That was the reason why it was yeah. Felipe Franks. He was completing, what, 57% of his passes? It wasn't good. It was awful. But then you turn the football over five times twice inside your own 20, and that you lose by 25 points. I mean, Tarantano I get it. Tarantano had three interceptions all year. Two came in that Florida game one in the first I th- half. One I still am convinced is a fumble. I don't know the how blind side. Yeah, I don't uh, know Chandler, how they get. Uh, it wasn't Chandler. It, it was, was uh, Dom- Madre, No, Madre London. Was it London? London missed whiffed on that blitz. I, I still don't know how they gave. Who, that which he was brought in from Miss Michigan State because he can pick up blocks with his size, and he just whiffed on the blitzing save. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah. So anyway, like you, you and I both said, and you and I did the. <laughs> it was full circle. You and I did the uh, YouTube recap video on the field after. We're like, well. We thought it was going to go one way. Excuse us as we remove our foot from our mouth. It didn't go that way. Um, but this year, this year I think I think Florida is Florida's a better football team. Now, can Tennessee beat Florida at some point? Yes. I don't think it's this year. It might be next year. Um, but I don't think it's happening. It could happen, but I just I don't think it will happen. Um, which means we both say it won't happen. Which means we'll be place your bets, folks. Place we'll be your bets somewhere, and it'll happen. Yeah. But if it does happen, to your point, whoo. Tennessee beats Florida this oh, year. Oh, Matthew. Your, your ceiling of wins for Vols A goes now to 8-9. to nine. Yeah. And, oh, Matt might want to put his uh, – Vol Twitter. He might want to mute his Twitter account. Vol Twitter has gotten after, of course, Dan Wolken, Pat Forty. Uh, what's the Kentucky radio guy? 
Kentucky State Radio. That's I just all I know. Who, uh, I Matt, know who. Matt Matt Jones. Anyway, Matt Jones. I think it is Matt Jones. Uh, who talks? Now he does. Everybody does because everyone knows how Tennessee fans are. And again, there's many fan bases around the country like this, but Tennessee fans are so passionate, and that's a good thing. But the Kentucky radio guy, Matt Jones, does it just to get a stir. Because I mean, to be honest, Tennessee has had a plenty of success over Kentucky in basketball the last couple of years. Why don't you look at the success they've had over their athletic department in the last year? I know. And so, like, trying, to poke, trying to poke Tennessee, it's like, ah, oh, that doesn't make sense, man. Bringing a top 12 team to Neyland and you route them. Their baseball team went up there. Vitello sweeps them at their house. I mean, if you're wearing Kentucky blue in the last 365 days, don't wear it around a Tennessee fan because they'll remind you. Sidebar, thoughts on Kentucky this year. I listened to the Greg McElroy uh, in a one-on-one with uh, Vince Ferrara, and – he acknowledges that you're losing Benny Snell, you're losing Josh Allen. He's high on Kentucky this year. I'm not high on him. I'm not high on Kentucky this year. Should Can I? AJ Ross hold on to the football like Benny Snell did last year. What does that defense look like? Replacing They've got a lot Josh of a uh, lot of hog mollies up front, which is big. I deep. think here's my thing. I don't think Terry Wilson. I don't think Terry Wilson has enough offensive firepower to keep them in games. Yeah, I think they're. I, to say I'm that they're going to lose I'm a bunch con- of 13-10 games, I won't go that far. But I, I just I don't think Kentucky's better than six in the division. I'm convinced he might not be the starting quarterback. Yeah, they just got that transfer late. Here's my thing about Kentucky this year, Wilson though. was not at SEC Media Days. Now, did he earn that right? I don't know. I'm not at practice. But. Kentucky is an enigma right now. You think you know what you know about them because of who they're replacing, but it's not guaranteed to be the finished product. Yeah. So, I don't know. That'll be one of those interesting teams. Auburn's the same way. Auburn has so many. Now, Auburn was a disappointment last year, but, I mean, when I say they have an NFL defensive line, Derek Brown, it's just one of the many that came back for his senior year right. because he wanted to graduate. I love that in 2019 someone is smart enough to realize that's a good choice. Yeah. Um, but so many defensive talents uh, that are NFL talents, rather, that are on that defensive side of the football. So, I'm excited, man. We got what uh, – Tennessee starts practicing at the end of July, right? First of August. Accurate. So they, they we, haven't released the exact. De- they have it just escapes me right now. So we'll uh, we'll be out there checking that out. So I'm excited, man. Again, it's the it's the unofficial start for fans. It's the official start for for media of uh, whoops of college college football is the media days there. To me, I hope, as I already mentioned once, that Tennessee fans just sit back. Relax, let the season come to them, and hope that other teams in the conference continue to overlook them because Tennessee this year, it's a shame. It happens every year. Tennessee's going to catch a team, and they're going to beat up on them. Not a lot of people saw it coming, and Tennessee's going to stub their toe against a team they shouldn't stub their toe against, and they're just going to be like, oh, It same happens balls. every year. Same balls. That's football. That's football. All right. It's been a good show, guys. Enjoyed it. Gentlemen's Hour podcast Friday. It's been a solid afternoon. Friday, man. It's been a solid Friday. Yeah, it's been good. There's a really good crowd out here at Barley's. If you listen to this uh, in the meantime, after I post this, come on out to Barley's. Got live music, got pizza galore. Nice little crowd. Might hang out here for a little bit, yeah. but uh, it's been fun. Mr. Stancil, always a pleasure, sir. How dare you catch him in the middle of lighting a cigar? Do you not know cigar etiquette? I, I, I don't. I, I do apologize for that, sir. Mr. Kane is always a gentleman and always gracious. So thank you very much, Mr. Ivins. Yes, Tyler? Thank you for being here and inviting me in yet again. Roxy, I enjoyed it. Roxy's got a bowl full of water right she now. She says, and she's wolf and it. ice cubes, please. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler, we'll do it again next week. 
Let's do it again next week, my man. I am looking forward to the days continuing to be torn away from the day calendar, getting closer and closer to August 31 in Georgia State. It's like you can smell it in the air. All right, Gentlemen's Hour Podcast, Apple Podcast, Google Play, Sports Radio, WNML.com. For John Stansel, Tyler Robbins, I'm Eric Kane. As always, we appreciate it, and we'll talk again soon. Another Gentleman's Hour podcast is in the books with the starting lineups, Tyler Ivins and Eric Kane. Chat with the guys on Twitter, at Tyler Ivins and at underscore Kaner. It's the Gentleman's Hour podcast on The Sports Animal.